Hello, and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 124. Today we will continue going over the Edda, which we started going over last time, not to be confused with the Poetic Edda. Um, But before we jump into that, let me just go ahead and do the station news. So, feel free to check out my website, hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. You can download the podcast there under the podcast, get it as an RSS, all of that stuff. There was possibly, probably, most definitely, uh, error with how the last one went out. I just noticed this while I was recording this one. But at the on the website, episode 122 is up there twice, but with the description of 123 at the second time. So that's kind of confusing. I went ahead and fixed that. So by the t- by the time I released that, you should see that episode 123 is on the podcast, making this 124. So if you missed that one, apologies. I'm hoping that the RSS reader did it right or fix it after the fact. But if you jump from 123 to 124, 123 is now on the website and you can listen to it that way. Um, Hopefully it's also in your RSS feeder. Um, But you might have to like refresh the feed and I know sometimes that doesn't work right. So just FYI, a little bit of uh, publishing. I don't know exactly what went wrong, but a little bit of a publishing problem. So this is actually episode 124. Last month's episode 123 is on the website by the time this is released. So just wanted to let everybody know. All right. Um, I think that's about it for the station news website, hugenhoff.org. Oh, um, check out Steve's book. You can find that at amazon.com and my book's there too. And I have a D&D campaign on frothner.com if you want to check that out but all of that is in the show notes so let's go ahead and get started all right so i may be rereading a little bit i have a bookmark but i can't remember exactly where we are were on the page but it, it was sort of talking about um gilfy going to see basically the von Air in Asgard, or, yeah, in Asgard, but of course they knew that he was coming because they're clever, so he's going to ask them a lot of questions, and that's where we are, and kind of what this does for us, which is nice, is it, you've got Gilfie being this anonymous person asking all these questions so we don't have to, so you don't have to have a book where it's just a bunch of random facts about the gods, it gives like a framework of why these questions are being asked, but it is nice for us who are reading to be able to get the answer to all of these questions. All right, and I think they had just um, described Valhalla and how it was um, thatched with uh, shields, which is a cool thing about Valhalla. The roof is like made of shields. All right, so that is where we're going to pick up, and I've got my book right here. Oh, uh, quick reminder, uh, I am reading The Everyman at uh, by Snorri Sturluson, translated by Anthony Falks. In case you want to be reading the exact same one, that's the one I'm reading. All right, here we go. It, in the doorway of the hall, Gilfie saw a man juggling with knives, keeping seven in the air at a time. This man spoke first and asked him his name. 
He said it was Ganglary and that he had traveled trackless ways. He requested that he might have a night's lodging there and asked who, whose hall it was. The man replied that it belonged to their king. Okay, so something to remind everybody of. He's asking for lodgings as a traveler. Again, this is very much... Our ancestors thought it was very important to be good hosts. So that's going to be important. Uh, now, he saw a man juggling with knives, keeping seven in the air at a time. That's kind of interesting. Why does it mention seven at a time? I don't know. Maybe... It's not important. Maybe it is important. I feel like it's probably important. Maybe that's something that you want to think about on your own. Uh, we'll see if it comes up again, but I just think that like mentioning that he's juggling seven knives at a time is sort of interesting. Better called out the number. Um, and I mean, you can get into all sort of numerology stuff, which I don't. Uh, so, so I won't be going there. Uh, maybe it's just seven because that's like the number that's according to some sources like quote-unquote heavenly like not an earthly number so it's implying that they're in a heavenly realm because they are going to Asgard which is like where the gods live I don't know if that's what that means I really don't I think it's interesting they mentioned seven maybe that's something you could think on uh, but that is something that could be interesting okay so I'm going to go on. I don't think it's super important. I don't think you're going to miss the entire point of the edit if you don't have that one fact. Um, okay, and he continues, and I can take you to see him. Then you can ask him his name yourself. And the man turned ahead of him into the hall. Gilfi followed, and the door immediately shut on his heels. Okay, the door immediately shutting on his heels, I think, is important in the sense that it's showing that this place is not normal. It's not of the earthly realm, so to speak. It is somewhere magical and something and somewhere fantastical. That's probably worth mentioning. Oh, and I do want to also mention that Gilfi gave a fake name, which is something that Odin very much does. So there's been, and he's a king, there's a few connections between Gilfi and Odin. And I am not at all saying that Gilfi is Odin. That's 100% not what's going on here. But what might be going on here is Gilfi is even able to get to Asgard because he does have some of those necessary qualities that Odin would also have. There can be some sort of connection between him and Odin. Not they're the same person, but like he could uh, connect to Odin, or he'd be an Odin's man, as sometimes it's said, because he has a lot of things in common with Odin. Because, so I do think that is probably significant, that he shares a lot of things in common with Odin. All right. He, he saw there many apartments and many people, some engaged in games, some were drinking, some were armed and were fighting. He looked around and thought many of these things he saw were incredible. Then he said, just a second, um, especially if we're thinking this is supposed to represent Valhalla, there would definitely be people who were fighting because the Einherjar do train until Ragnarok. So all of this makes sense. Every doorway before you go through should be peered round, for you cannot know for certain where enemies may be sitting waiting inside. Okay, now if we remember, um, 
Let's read this again. If we remember, though, that particular stanza there, every doorway before you go through should be peered around, for you cannot, blah, blah, blah. That is from the Havamal. That is something Odin said in the Havamal. So that's significant. All right, so I'm going to read this again. And the man turned ahead of him into the hall. Gilfie followed, and the door immediately shut on his heels. He saw that there are many apartments and many people. Some are engaged in games, some are drinking, some are armed and fighting. He looked around and thought of the many things he saw were incredible. Then he said, I guess Gilfie said that. And then he says that quote from Balmall. So that's certainly significant, again, connecting him with Odin. He saw three he saw three thrones one above the other and and there were three men one sitting in each then he asked what the name of their ruler was the man who had brought him in replied that the right replied that the one that sat in the lowest throne was king and he was called high next to him the one called just as high and the one sitting at the top was called third then high asked a newcomer the newcomer whether he had any further business though he was welcome to food and drink like everyone else there in the high ones halls he said that he wished first to find out if there was any learned persons in there All right, just a small a pause here um, all right, let's go back. So he asked up their name, and the king was, there are three kings, on the bottom was high, and then just as high, and the top was third. So that's interesting, I guess we'll say. Um, again, if this represents Odin, then you have like him representing himself as three people, which is... Interesting, and do keep in mind that three is a magical number, which is probably significant here. Um, I, I just think we should remember those names because they will come up. But also I wanted to point out that, so Gangler came in, or Gilfie rather, came into this hall and he was, and greeted the king or the kings. And he was immediately welcome to food and drink. So we do have the good hospitality thing in there. I wanted to return to that. That's what I wanted to say. Okay, uh, let's continue. I said he would not get out unscathed unless he was more learned. And stand out in front while you ask. He who tells shall set. Ganglary began his questioning thus. All right, so now we've got the setup where he's high, asking high, just as high in third, which if this is Valhalla, as they said in the beginning, would represent Odin. Um, he's going to ask, Gilfie is going to ask a bunch of questions. He's going to ask a bunch of questions about the lore, and Odin's going to tell him what the answers are, and as the audience, we can learn a lot of things about the lore through this conversation. This would be a great place to stop, but I feel like I just started the podcast, so I'm going to go on a little bit longer. Um, Gilfie began his questioning thus, Who is the highest and most ancient of all gods? High said, He is called Allfather in our own language, but in old Asgard he has he had twelve names. One is Allfather, the second Huron or Hirian, the third Nikon, 
Nekar or Hinekar, the fourth Nikus or Hinekak, the fifth Fjolnir, the sixth Oski, the seventh Omi, the eighth Bilfidi or Biflindi, the ninth Vidardi, the tenth Zvidiri, the eleventh Vidari, the twelfth Iag or Ielk. All right, so did I have to read those names out? Probably not, but for completeness sake, I did. Uh, again, this is him talking about the 12. Okay, so so a couple things. It's asking who's the most ancient god, and I think it's implied here, like who's the leader of the gods in Odin would obviously be the answer to that. And it says he has 12 names. So first of all, why does he have more than one name? Because Odin always has multiple names so that he can travel the different realms. That is very much a part of Odin and very important to Odin. And why was it 12? Probably because 12 is another important um, number. Like in the Havamal, not the Havamal, in the Poetic Eddas, it talks about how there are 12 gods. I think it says 12 gods and 12 goddesses. I think there's actually more, but they use the number 12 in the Poetic Eddas. So, it's it's an important number. Why is it an important number? You know, that's an entirely quest, different question. But it is definitely an, an important number because it is said that there are 12 gods and 12 goddesses in the, in, in the poetic Eddas. So it is an important number. So that's probably why they chose the number 12 here. Uh, then you might ask, well, why does Odin have 12 names? Isn't one enough? And it has to do with the idea that he has to travel and travel in disguise, especially when he goes to places like Jotunheim. He can't have the giants know who he is, or obviously they'd kill him because they're the enemies of the gods. And when he goes to like Midgard to deal with humans, he can't have people know who he is or he won't know their true intention. So he has to have false names. If you're the type who wants to learn things, you sometimes need to be anonymous because you don't want who you and, and not so much for like me, but for someone like Odin, you don't want who you are to be affecting the information you get. You want to get the real information. You want to get the truth. And that is often not what you'd get as, well, in this case, a king. And Odin is very often associated with kings. Um, now, our ancestors' version of kings was not the divine right, and that's important. They were many times elected or chosen by the people, and they could be stripped of their kinghood. I don't know if that's a word. Their power could be taken away, and that's an important thing to mention because that's a little different than like an all-powerful king that that cannot have their power taken away, even though I suppose an all-powerful king that cannot have their power taken away is sort of a myth, because, I mean, we see in, like, France or Russia or all these other countries a long time ago, there were divine right kings, and their power was actually taken away. The people, you know, like rose up against him and had some sort of revolution. So uh, even though divine right is a thing that people talk about, talk about, it's never actually guaranteeing you a position of power. But my point is, in some of the other books, I think the Heimskringla, they talk about there'll be a, 
a king who's a wealthy person, but he'll have to go around and like if he wants to go um, raid somewhere, you know, he doesn't just say, hey, people, I'm the king and you do whatever I say. So let's go on this raiding trip. He has to go convince the other like landed people to join him on the raid. He's like, oh, yeah, you should totally join me because we're going to win and then we'll get this treasure and then we'll split it. But it's not the all powerful type of king you might have uh, or you might think of today. It, which, of course, we don't have kings so much, and the ones we have don't have the power that they used to. But when you hear king, it's not the all-powerful, whatever-I-say-goes idea. It's somebody who has to sometimes convince people. And probably for that reason, it is important that the king understands the true um, feelings of the people. So when Odin comes to Asgard, or when Odin comes to Midgard, he needs to understand the true feelings of the people, not hear... Um, because what he would hear as Odin would just be like, everything's good and we're hospitable and we're good people. So he needs to like go as a normal person so he can see what the real reaction was. And I think this comes up a lot like when you look at, um, in, in history, different uh, kings and czars and stuff like that. Like a huge problem that that just seems to come up again and again is the king doesn't realize that the people are dissatisfied you know they have their group of people talking about um talking to them and and their advisors are not going to say like the people are unhappy and you've got a revolt on your hands they're going to say everything's fine you're doing a great job um don't worry about it. And and that's nice to hear, but it's not what they need to hear. Um, I recently uh, listened to a podcast about Rasputin. And he was basic, well, he was a priest, but he was like the spiritual ex- advisor to uh, Alexander, Alexandra and Nicholas, the Tsar and Tsaris of Russia at the time. And one of the big problems with their fall from power is Nicholas thought everybody loved him and he believed fully in the whole divine right you know God has given me the power to be king and he wants me to be king and Rasputin supported that he was like yeah the people love you you've got these political enemies who are vying for control but the people themselves love you and he believed them that is an absolute huge risk of being a king and you know, holding on to your power is you think everybody loves you because your advisors are telling you that everybody loves you because they, I don't know, they want to get on your good side. They don't want to upset you. They don't want to see you upset. Um, so to really know the truth, you'd have to go out as a common man. And uh, Nicholas never did that. He never dressed as a common person and went out to see what the people were really saying. And maybe he should have. And Odin very much does go out as the common people to see what they're saying. And to really understand what's being said in the world about you, you need to go out as a common person and listen to what people are saying. Now, I am a common person, so it's not as important for me. But again, if you were a king as Odin is, and also as this guy is, who I always forget name, Gilfi, um, if you were a king, then this would be very important information. So this is why Odin has 12 names and why it's important. And also why I think it's interesting that Gilfi is using a fake name 
as Odin would again saying like he is a true king or a good king because he understands that some of these things are necessary so that was a bit of a tangent uh moving on um yeah so we're going to wrap up shortly but i think i'm going to do one more little stanza here uh then gangler asked where is this god what power has he and what great work has he performed High says he lives throughout all ages and rules all his kingdom and governs all things great and small. Then spoke Justice High. He made heaven and earth and the skies and everything in them. Then spoke Third. But his greatest work is that he made man and gave him a soul that shall live and never perish through body, though the body decay to dust and burn or burn to ashes. And all men who are called righteous shall live and dwell with him himself and with him himself in the place called Gimli or Vingolf. But wicked men go to hell and on to Nifel Hell. That is down in the ninth world. Um, okay, so we are gonna stop here. So this is talking about how Odin created the world and we remember that it's made of the body of Ymir that came up in the poetic Edda. so that's what this is alluding to and then it's also talking about how he gave them a soul and that again was in the poetic Eddas where he gave the ash tree and the elm tree clothing to wear and then that's what um and then he breathed the breath of life into them which is what made them rational people so to speak and that are just animals and if we look at that what that means is you know we that's a different discussion but maybe it's odin giving them his rationality because he gives them clothes and names which you know are very human concepts so you can look at it different ways but i however you look at it if it's like odin giving them rationality or odin giving them a soul in some way odin is giving them humans to like quote-unquote spark of life that thing that makes us special if that's a soul or if that's a rationality whatever that thing that makes humans different than the other animals is um it talks about where that comes from in the poetic eddas and it seems like as we're reading the eddas you're it's assumed that you have a basic idea of these stories you would know that and then it's just adding some clarifications and and other information to that so it's very much a good thing to read the poetic eddas first in my opinion i think you have to read the poetic eddas because then all of these references are going to make a lot more sense but anyway he talks about that and how um and i this might be the first place this is mentioned how the good people or all men who are righteous shall dwell with him so with odin in a place called gimli or vingolf which is interesting where are those places? Because we also know that a large number of good people go to Valhalla. And then like um, Frey has a hall and Freya has a hall where good people can go to. So, so that's um, maybe not straight up false, but at least it's an oversimplification. Because it says all men who are righteous shall live and dwell with him in, in the place called Gimli or Vingolf. Oh, so what does that mean that's a good question there's there's two ways you can take it you could take it all men who are righteous and men here means humans i'm 
100% certain it's not gendered. Um, so everybody who is righteous lives with Odin in a place called Gimli or Vingolf. So you could take that as unless they go to one of those other places. Or also, there's not actually anything to say that in the afterlife you only go to a single place and you can never leave again. It could be the case that righteous people, um, much like they do in real life, can travel from hall to hall. They may live generally in this place and some place close to Asgard, which this could be referring to, though then they also spend a portion of their time in whichever hall they see fit to, to stay in. If that's like Freya's hall or Odin's hall or phrase hall or what or whatever um they could go to different places uh where is gimli or vingolf that's a interesting question too what what does that mean is that a hall or is that a section of asgard it's probably like i would think some sort of section of Asgard. And then within it, you might have Valhalla as a specific hall that you could go to or 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 Freya's hall or any of these other halls. So that could actually make sense if you're like, well, yes, you, everybody, because there's like different mentions of how to get into these different halls. Like Freya's hall is the first pick of the people who died honorably in battle. And then Valhalla is the second pick of people who died honorably in battle. But both of those halls could be located in the same basic land. You know, like you can have two cities in one state. It's that sort of connection. So if I were to guess, that's what I'd say. I also think it's not super important where we go. I mean, it is important where we go when we die, but we don't have all that information. So it's not super important for us to dwell on where we go when we die. Like... Maybe have a basic idea, but what we need to be focusing on when we're alive is being good people and doing the right thing and honoring our families, right? And and learning about ourselves, stuff like that. We don't need to be obsessed with where we go when we die. So I don't think we have to, I don't, you don't have to agree with me on this, and you don't have to know the answer. But what I kind of think it is, is all righteous people go to these basic place, big places, somewhere in Asgard, these two places mentioned, but then each individual may go to a different hall, depending on in what way they were righteous. Is it because they fought bravely, or is it because they were good people who kept their oaths and stuff like that? All right, and then the second part, but wicked men go to hell and on to Nifel hell. And yes, that's true. They do go to hell, and that... Um, and hell is, so if Asgard is above Midgard, hell is below Midgard and ruled by Hela. And then Nifel hell is even further out and it's cold -er and more miserable and more terrible. So all of the quote-unquote wicked people go to hell and then the, the exceptionally wicked ones go on to Nifel hell, which you know is even worse, which is even worse. Um, and, and, and arguably, well, yeah, I don't know about that. I'll refrain from that. Okay. Uh, I, I was thinking 
do people who go to hell eventually get to Nifle Hell? And I don't want to say that's actually necessarily the case. I think the people who go to Nifle Hell are specifically the people who are mentioned. And I think it's in I think it's in the Poetic Edda's, but it's like um, murderers, breakers of oath, and seducers of other men's wives are the three categories of people who get you into Nifle Hell. So it is worse. Um, but still, it's interesting. It touches on the afterlife there. So uh, that's that's good. That's like pieces of the lore that we'd have like to have. All right, I really am going to wrap it up because I'm going longer than normal, which I'm not going a super long time. I don't think the podcast is too long, but um, it is longer than it has been. So I do want to go ahead and wrap it up. And I guess my final thoughts for today are just there's a lot of good information in this book. Um, And if everybody is not reading along at home, please do. I mean, this book book is much better when you just read it for yourself and come up with these ideas on your own. But what I'm hoping is, you know, maybe you've already read through this and then I can just bring up some ideas and you can go back to the text and be like, oh yeah, that part was interesting. Let me go ahead and reread it and think what I, and and see what I think. And I again want to stress, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just some dude on the internet like I'm not more qualified than anybody else and honestly nobody on the internet is it's just the point of this podcast is to get you interested in the Edda and get you reading the Edda so you can come up with your own ideas and study it yourself and come to your own conclusions I do not want to I do not want to put the idea out there that I'm right and everybody else is wrong or that I'm some sort of authority because quite frankly I'm not but I do think this is 100% worth reading and it's fun and I think I learn things when I go back and I reread it one line at a time and it's like this is a good line what does this line mean so this is just an exercise to do that and hopefully everybody can follow along and do the same thing and you know maybe your conclusions will be the same or maybe they'll be totally different and regardless of what the answer to that question is, I think it's useful to do this just so we can think about it again. And you know, next time I read through this, my conclusions may be totally different. And that's okay. That's how everybody grows as a person, by reading these books and letting them inspire you to think more about the way the world works, things around you, all of that stuff. So, I'm going to go ahead and stop there. Thank you, everyone, very much for listening. I will see you next month. Oh, don't forget to check out my website, hugenhoff.org, and you can subscribe for the RSS, and there's a rune page there, and anything you need, hugenhoff.org. But I will see everybody next time, so have a great month. For hell.